Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to After Work Drinks. I'm Isabel Truman and I'm here with Grace O'Neill and we are both really sick of our intro so we're never doing it again. Yes, this is a podcast where we just talk about what we want to talk about and that's all you need to know. Yeah, essentially yes. So how are you? Uh, I'm okay. It's been a week for the world obviously which um, we will talk about a lot more I'm sure. But, uh, yeah, fine. Okay, I'll ask you a different question. Do yeah. you have any recommendations? Or what have you been doing this week? <laughs> Tell me things. Okay, so I've got two recommendations. Should I go light to dark or dark to light? Uh, light to dark? Light to dark. Okay, so first recommendation is season two of Dead to Me, which we watched the first season of Together, right? Mm-hmm. With Christina mm-hmm. Applegate and I can't remember the other woman's name, but she's from Freaks and Geeks and she's amazing. It's yes. So I started watching it because I started watching the Jeffrey Epstein documentary, and I got like one episode in, and it made me feel just sick. And it also so I looked this up because the opening credits was really dominated by male names. So I looked it up on IMDb, and of the fifteen producers on the show, thirteen are men. And it has a female director. Why? But this is my question. And I feel like it really bleeds into the way the documentary is structured because there's this kind of gross... I was talking to a friend about it and he was kind of like, it feels like a cynical cash grab on something very serious because it's high production quality. It's splashed all over Netflix. It's very harrowing in the details but the purpose of it was kind of lost on me. I understand that Mm. we need to hear survivors' stories. I understand. But that is such a huge story. I feel like we've heard from these women from multiple super reputable sources. 
I just don't really, unless you're framing it in a certain really clever way or you're retelling it in a specific way, something about packaging it into a super slick, super stylish production for Netflix that everyone's obviously getting paid a lot of money for that's directed almost entirely by straight white dudes. It just didn't make me feel great about it. Mm. Yeah, I only started it, um, it was on at my best friend's house where I've been staying and um, they were watching it, but it was just too, I was like, I can't handle this at the moment. There's too much other things taking up my brain. Too much other things taking up my brain. And also there's something about, and this will go into my second recommendation. On the Call Your Girlfriend podcast, they did an amazing two-part series on Joe Biden and all the troubling about just generally not great things about Joe Biden. And they talked Mm -hmm. about an example, which they said it as a throwaway comment, but it really stuck with me about how they both went to a sexual assault survivor's convention sounds bad but kind of a convention about how to combat combat sexual violence against women there were two male speakers for the whole day one was barack obama one was joe biden joe biden went over his allotted time by like 35 minutes which threw out the schedule for the whole day and they were like i don't know why but that just really bothered me but secondly he Mm. told all of these stories back to back And they said they all ended in a woman was naked and shivering and crying on the street or naked and shivering and crying in a police station. And it's kind of this thing about, and this will actually probably relate quite well into the race discussions that we're going to have later, but this thing of men discovering violence against women, treating it as if it's this crazy thing they had no idea they were aware of. And then almost like wallowing in the details of the violence in this weird, unsettling way because they're so surprised by it because they apparently haven't heard of it before. It had that vibe. Yeah, right. Is that what they were saying as well? They were saying that that's what they thought of it? They just said, no, they were just saying about it about Joe Biden. They were just saying it just made everyone feel icky and gross in this convention that was obviously full of sexual assault survivors to hear this old white dude talk in really gruesome detail about several sexual assaults to show that he's an ally you know what i mean and it's like we all know it's horrible and gross because we're all here and the jeffrey epstein thing kind of felt like a bunch of people saying look how horrible this is and i'm like no we all know that especially as women we all know that so (laughs) what why are you retelling us unless you have a point to make Mm. except unless it's like to get whatever her face max what's her name maxine Arrested or something. Yeah, Ghislaine Maxwell, yeah. But that's, it didn't even seem like... (laughs) I just, like, merged them. (laughs) It didn't even seem like a call to action. But the one thing I will say, I don't know if you saw this, and I'm really sorry if you didn't because it's going to really upset you, but they talked about how Vanity Fair tried to cover this story years and years ago and how the journalist who was covering it discovered that there was all this horrible stuff that Jeffrey Epstein was doing with young girls so try to write about that and he left he left a severed cat's head and a bullet in Graydon Carter's garden what the fuck it's it's I literally can't get it out of my mind Izzy I think about it every morning when I wake up it's the first thing I think of it's that's the crazy as if he wouldn't then publish that like, he didn't like, publish any of it he published a glowing review of him instead yeah that's what I mean I'm like as yeah. if Someone leaving a severed cat's head on the editor-in-chief's, like, backyard wouldn't make the editor-in-chief work harder. Like, the New York Times 
editor when Harvey Weinstein was like calling him and threatening him and he was just like fuck off no but I'm saying Graydon Carter dropped the story because of it yeah that's what I mean yeah, I'm saying that's yeah. insane yeah like who would do that wouldn't you be like this is clearly the biggest story ever if they're gonna also, kill animals and leave them at my house also be like I feel like he just could have called Graydon Carter and he kind of wouldn't have done it like, I think those yeah. steps were unnecessary. I think if he called him up and said, look, I'm friends with lots of billionaires and they won't work with your That's magazine. That's what I mean. It's so wild <laughs> that obviously if someone did that, if someone went to those lengths to do that, like Weinstein didn't even do that. It's also just so embarrassing. I'm like a bullet at your door. Who do you think you are? The godfather. Yeah, a I gross loser. He's disgusting. Um, anyway, so then I was sick of watching this show because it was just making me feel weird and gross and really upset and I just didn't have the mental capacity to deal with Mm -hmm. it um so I watched dead to me season two and that was really awesome and somehow wholesome and nice and made me feel a lot better I haven't watched that yet I've watched like the first episode of it but I um haven't really done I just had another long drive and I'm trying to remember what on earth I was listening to oh I was listening to um Louis Thoreau's podcast on the way down with Helena Bonham Carter who's such a legend she's so good I was like I kind of when that episode was out I was like I don't know if I care all that much about you know when there's some celebrities and you could just give or take hearing an interview with them Mm -hmm. but I put it on and she was so great she was so interesting they went to um high school together weirdly but um, so I put that on and listened to that and it was super interesting. Um, but other than that, I have just been whining and dining, which has been so lush because in, so I'm from Hawke's Bay in New Zealand for those of you who live in Australia and otherwise it's like a little kind of wine country town on the East coast of New Zealand. It's really beautiful, really hilly and, um, vineyards everywhere, um, but and there's so there's heaps of nice wineries but there was one called craggy range that i'd never been to before because it's just one of those things where you kind of just assume you'll go because you live there and we just never did and um i went and stayed there for two nights on this tukitook river which is like so beautiful and took my best friend who has two little babies so it was her first time ever away from the kids and we got just quite drunk i love that you were staying in a very impressive looking house Mm. essentially (laughs) yeah it was so nice so we stayed there it was kind of like when we went to um when we went to byron bay and there was those standalone houses at Mm. elements of byron it's like that vibe so we um were staying there and on the friday she managed i got her like we did a wine tasting i got her kind of drunk enough to forget she had children for the night Mm -hmm. and then the next day she really missed them and so um the owners of Craggy Range were like, oh, just tell her to bring the kids, even though it's the nicest winery. And I was like, God, they're just going to break everything. Um, but we, she brought the kids over and then they um, let us add extra people to our lunch booking. And it was just so cute. And then the kids hung out all afternoon and had the best time when we running through the vineyards together. That's so nice. Yeah. It was very wholesome. Very wholesome indeed. Apart from my hangover, which was not wholesome. I drank an entire bottle of champagne to myself because I thought she was drinking it with me. Yeah, I've done that. We've all been there. (laughs) Champagne just goes down like an absolute treat. And it's it's one of those things where you'll never buy champagne for yourself. So it kind of needs to be someone else providing it for you. 
Yeah, so I poured her a glass and me a glass, and she sat on that glass the whole time while I drank the rest of the entire bottle. Yeah, it's like the time we talked about in the past where I we bought a bottle of vodka and put it in the freezer, and then you went to top up, and three quarters was gone, and I thought we'd all just been sharing it, and no one else had topped up, <laughs> and I was unconscious. Yeah. I did that recently. <laughs> I tried to make at-home margaritas. For me and my friends. And I googled this recipe and I swear to God I followed the recipe exactly right. But it used an entire, somehow it used an entire bottle of tequila <laughs> for three margaritas. Um, I'm trying to think of what else I've been doing other than kind of refreshing my social media feed and feeling really sad. Yeah, it feels difficult to talk about anything else this week because... It feels like really all I've been thinking about, and I'm sure you're the same. And what's, I think, difficult about talking about what's happening in America, specifically after the murder of George Floyd, is that it's all playing out on social media. And I think we all have a guilt about sharing things on social media and thinking that that's enough or that's all we have to do. And figuring out what we can do outside of social media that feels more tangible. But at the same time, almost everyone I know's education on this topic has been through Instagram. Yeah, I think that's important because people, I think some people are kind of having a go at people for just sharing on social media or just learning now and just getting involved now. But literally all of the people of colour that I follow aren't, aren't acting like that. They're stoked. They're saying... We're so happy you've joined the cause, like, bit late, but better late than never. Um, like, please, while you're here, just sit and listen and learn for a while before you start asking questions. Please don't DM us, but we're so happy to have you. And it feels like it's other white people kind of shaming people for sharing and jumping on now, which just seems insane. And also, um, I saw a girl post and she said that one of her followers, um, she's a black British influencer and activist, I think, she posted something and um one of her followers had a go at her saying oh you know it's just instagram what are you doing in the real world or saying you know like don't shame me for not posting it's just instagram and it's she literally was like instagram and social media is literally the reason that all of this is happening right now without these hashtags without people sharing these videos without that video going viral of george floyd without ahmed arbery's video actually being shared there would have been no arrests like, his murder happened in February and they weren't arrested till April because the video went viral. So you just can't underestimate the power that sharing on social media has. And people shouldn't be shamed for doing... It shouldn't be all you're doing, but if that's all you're doing right now while you learn and start reading and writing down things you're going to do and, like, obviously signing the petitions is really important, but it's just so massive. Yes, and I think this is a funny thing as well, is that donating money is seen as being on this like pedestal that's higher above sharing or engaging on social media. And yes, agreed, sharing on social media alone is not enough. And I think it's become very, very, very obvious to me, at least, celebrities and influential people that I follow who I really admire who are posting something on social media because they just feel like they need to do it and then jumping onto everything else and it's obvious that they're not really engaged in the conversation or learning by the same token 
donating five or ten dollars to a cause and then forgetting about it altogether and not engaging ever again and thinking that that proves that you've done your part it's just as flippant and unhelpful like it's not unhelpful but it's sharing a post on social media donating ten dollars to the cause i don't think that it's like one superior to the other if that's all you're going to do and that's going to rid you of any sense of guilt or shame about how you play into racist systems in your life i think it's not one step is the whole problem it's multiple multiple steps from today onwards for the rest of your life forever even when this isn't even in the news anymore even when this isn't trending on twitter even when this isn't what your friends want to talk about even when it becomes really really awkward and difficult because it's not in everyone's consciousness anymore and everyone's flipped into old habits and you're having to have awkward conversations with people at drinks like that's the work there's no one thing of if Mm. you do this instead of this you're the good person or if you do x instead of y you're the good person or yeah i just think it's it's difficult like white people are going through this collective crisis online that we're seeing where we're fucking embarrassed about the way that we (laughs) have firstly about the way that we behave but secondly about the lack of education that we have and i think you and i only became really educated on these issues in the last kind of month and i want to be really careful not to point fingers or throw stones when we're so recently equipped with the language to discuss it you know Mm. yeah totally i mean we read like we read Brittany ito lodges i looked back so i was trying to find a bloody photo of it because my mum has it and forgot to bring it with her even though i've just recently listened to the audiobook i really wanted it in my hands and we read it two years ago so it's or three years ago so it's not like we haven't been thinking about these things but exactly we haven't been engaging how we should have been and yeah I I think I love seeing people on social media say hi I'm embarrassed that this is my first post about it but I I love I love seeing people's personal notes of saying hi guys this is me addressing this this is why I haven't I'm embarrassed I'm sorry I'm gonna start now please let me know what I can do to help. I like seeing that rather than people just sharing a kind of generic quote, but also that's better than nothing. Yeah. I think that I don't know how much assumed knowledge people have who are listening to this episode. And if you haven't yet, we did a really massive episode on this topic a few weeks ago um which would be great for you to go back and listen to now because it just has a lot of information and educational tools and reading tips and just information that will be really helpful if you're wanting to educate yourself on this issue so if anyone's listening to this and doesn't really understand how they play a role in this conversation i think it's this this thing that we're all collectively realizing right now which is that white people have all said together at the same time this isn't my issue my voice isn't relevant my opinion isn't required i'm not the person to speak up when these things happen i'm going to stay out of it but the problem with that has been that all that equals is a giant wall of silence yeah and also it's not it's like the funniest thing is when people say it's not our fight or i feel like it's not my place or i feel like you know i feel as though i shouldn't be speaking out because I'm not black. It's literally, they didn't start racism. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Why is it their problem? 
Like it's so it's just like the most insane argument ever. And I get that people aren't don't feel educated enough to speak out, but then it's just go and educate yourself and then you will. Yes, which brings us to a really interesting conversation which I've been wanting to have with you about Instagram, influencers, fashion brands, and this whole movement of pressure on these uh, brands or people to use their platform to talk about this issue. Are they being negligent by not talking about it? What is the right way to talk about it? Are we unfollowing and putting pressure on brands that we like and support if they're not actively speaking out in this moment? What's your take on everything? I think that it's yeah I feel like brands should be held accountable because I think that people with big followings um have kind of a what's the word obligation they have yeah they have a bit of an obligation to educate themselves about things that are important and things that are important to their followers because they're not going to be all white people that follow them and even if they are that's probably even more important but then yeah with brands I don't want I feel as though I don't want brands to post if they genuinely don't care but I don't know how you could genuinely not care yeah this is I think this is the really interesting conversation because I think brands are by posting, brands are opening themselves up to criticism about all of the ways in which they fail in terms of questions of race, mm. either in their hiring process, in the representation. Like, let's talk about fashion and beauty brands specifically. If you post something about this, you're opening yourself up to criticism about your history in terms of uh, racial inclusivity in your campaigns and on your runways, uh, the amount of people of color who have high level jobs in your company any incentives that you've created or promoted that will actually help these causes, all of that's laid bare. And I think because a lot of these companies, if we're being honest, have pretty tragic records on that point, they're worried about seeming hypocritical by posting about it because it is kind of hypocritical. And Munro Bergdorf, who's an amazing um, uh, trans woman of color who is an activist who's incredible online and who should all follow, has talked uh, today basically about the fact that L'Oreal dropped her as an ambassador for talking about this exact issue about white supremacy and violence against uh, black men in America, or ba- against black people in America. She was dropped as a spokesperson for being too controversial, and now they're posting things on their Instagram account about how disgusted they are at this. Yeah, that's really bad. <laughs> really bad, right? That's but crazy. Is the question, obviously L'Oreal shouldn't have done that. They should now be issuing an apology to her as well and admitting they did wrongdoing. But the thing that I also think as well is that if they just posted nothing, no one really would have given them any shit for it. So, But maybe they just didn't think Munro was going to give them shit. I'm sure they didn't, but I also think it's better that they post about it and open themselves up to accountability than to just say nothing because a huge amount of people just simply won't notice or care that they say nothing. I feel as though they'll, it seems like they were just jumping on the bandwagon completely and not thinking that they were going to get shit maybe to get to the rioting topic because i know there's been backlash to the way some of the protests have gotten in america there's been looting and fire set and destruction of property people aren't listening to the peaceful protest there's been peaceful protests for years every time a person of color wins an award and has to and does a speech every time they bloody play football games every single time they're given a platform to speak 
there'll be a protest and just no one listens. So what else are you going to do? And also, there is so much footage of undercover police officers, especially in New York City, wearing white bandages around their arms so that other cops can see who they are and throwing stuff in the crowd at police officers so the police officers have a um, opportunity to be forceful. There are literally undercover cops, videos of them, throwing stuff at the uniformed police officers. Yeah, and there's also uh, right-wing associated people or kind of like trolls who are going out and actively doing violent actions so that it reflects badly on this movement that have no link to the Black Lives Matter movement. Yeah, and then and everywhere it's covered, my friends who marched in L.A., they were like, it was completely peaceful until the mm-hmm. police showed up. And then everywhere that's covered is the riots and the violence and the things on fire. It's like, why are we focusing on that when we should be focusing on how peaceful it was until the police showed up? There's the videos on, especially Sean King's Instagram, are crazy, of cops walking up to a guy who had his hands in the air, grabbing his mask and pulling it down and pepper spraying him in the face. Them grabbing two people who were just driving, they weren't even protesting. They were just driving home. Grabbing them mm-hmm. out of a car and beating them. Like, and tasering them. If yeah. anyone, yeah, all of the violence. I know that there's looting, but the violence really predominantly seems to come from the cops. And they and are the ones who are trained and holding protective gear. Like, Trevor Noah did such an amazing um, segment or speech about it on his Instagram stories where he basically said, All society is, is a contract where we're all deciding. I will do X, Y, and Z because you're going to do X, Y, and Z. And we're all agreeing that we're all going to do that. And then everyone's going to live okay. And he said, you know, there are people during coronavirus who are so poor that they can't afford to, they can't afford to feed their families, but they're not looting and stealing from stores because the social contract, which says you're going to be poor, but we're going to create opportunities for you. And we're going to create um, X, Y, Z is enough for you to not break the law. Like that's the system we're all operating under. If you're saying to a huge group of people, which is predominantly black people in the United States, we're not going to hold up our end of the bargain. We're not going to treat you the same as we treat everyone else in this country. The police force isn't going to be used to protect you in the way that it protects everyone else in this country. You need to fear the police. You need to fear the legal system. You need to fear the like major political systems in this country. Why the hell would they keep up their end of the bargain? Mm. You know? I know. Like this, we're yeah. like we're the ones who broke the social contract with them so that's the thing that everyone should be getting angry about yeah and people just saying you know it's horrible but what that about what happened but you shouldn't be burning a city down it's like that's exactly what you should be doing if people are getting murdered in broad daylight in the street the last two weeks are the first time in my life if i'm being totally honest where i've tried to very, very actively engage in anti-racism in a way that means calling out, you know, family members when they say things, having really awkward, uncomfortable conversations with people really close to me, engaging in fights on Instagram with people, which I just hate, but not just scrolling past those comments, but actually engaging and talking to people, um, reading, donating, signing up to Patreons, changing who I follow etc and I am finding it exhausting and I'm not saying that to be woe is me I'm saying that to showcase that 
one to two weeks of this has done me in emotionally and I can opt out of it any minute. It doesn't directly affect my livelihood and I haven't had to think about it for the first 26 years of my life. So I need you to imagine (laughs) what it would feel like if you had no choice but to be a part of this conversation, if this had actively impacted all of your prospects and opportunities in the world and if you've been doing it every single minute, every single day from the time you were born how much that would crush your spirit. Like, I just can't even imagine. Yeah, I feel the exact same way. I've been doing the same thing. Um, I've been, in the past few days, staying with my mum for the first time in years. And the thing is, it's it's hard because, obviously, I'm far more politically aware and I'm far more emotionally invested and involved in this than I ever have been before. So um, it's probably a shock to her. But... Yeah, I found it quite exhausting as well, feeling like, you know, she she's mean so well and she's really, really um, involved with Aboriginal rights. She worked with Aboriginal women in prisons for five years um, and really involved with Māori rights here in New Zealand. So I do understand that she was less across what was happening in America, but it was still frustrating and still hard to kind of feel like you have to educate someone. Um but she came out in the pouring rain with me last night in Wellington and she is like willing to learn, which is really great because I think a lot of people wouldn't have family members like that. And I found it even at t- twice in the past 48 hours, I had to go to my room and like take time by myself because we'd had a heated discussion and then she's willing to learn and she'll come to me afterwards and open the door and say, I'm really sorry. I realized why what I said just then was racist essentially or what the bias or the privilege that I have when I said that and even I find it exhausting and I have a mum who's willing to come out and stand in the rain with me and she was crying while these Mm. women were speaking last night yeah exactly and we have a really amazing listenership and we've had a few people reach out this week who said to us hey guys you know I'm reading what you're doing and I listened to some episodes and I really know what want to know what I can do what can I do um, my first reaction is like, oh my God, <laughs> I feel like we've given you so much information and options and content and things that show you exactly where you can showcase. And then I have to get out of that and say, no, 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 no. This is exactly what we want people to be saying to us. We have not had to deal with fucking years of this bullshit. We are in the prime position to be taking this emotional labor of people of color and be doing it ourselves. But it's if mm. this early into it, that is frustrating. We're already us. sick of it. Yeah. I just can't even imagine what it must feel like if that's already your lived reality, if you can't opt out of it. Also, if there is an opportunity for anyone to go to these marches and to show your support in person, I think it's really important. We had women last night in Wellington, New Zealand, outside of Parliament, in the rain. Um, one was from Chicago, one was from Virginia. One of them had her friend murdered at the hands of police and they're standing there in solidarity with us saying we're so thankful that you showed up and we're so thankful that you came and that you showed your support it like means the world this lock they're stuck away from their families in New Zealand right now while all of this is going on worried that their family members literally could get murdered or violently hurt and so I think Obviously, it's something to post on social media, but it's another thing to just go and actually make an effort and get out there. And, you know, Auckland, New Zealand was so incredible yesterday. There were thousands and thousands and thousands of people marching. 
and that was seen all over the world. My favorite insecure actors were posting Auckland, New mm. Zealand. Yeah, it's amazing. I think it's really important as well, and we've talked about this on our Instagram account, that um, it's really, really important not to see this as an American issue. So much of our reading and education on this topic has been so incredible because it's just showcased basically how white supremacy is an incredibly global issue in Australia. I'm sure everyone is extremely aware of the horrendous way in which the indigenous population has been treated from the moment settlers arrived in Australia. It's what our entire colonial history is built on and the ramifications of that are obviously still really obvious today. A couple of very small examples include the fact that it's Reconciliation Week and yet Rio Tinto uh, basically exploded on a sacred indigenous site that was 46,000 years old to expand an iron ore mine, which they had been denied permission to touch years before, and they just did it anyway. Good on them. The An idiot. Yeah. Um, indigenous Australians make up only 2% of the population, but make up 27% of the prison population. That's the same. That's um, similar statistics to New Zealand. Yeah. It's yeah any any area where there's a like indigenous population that have been colonized, it seems like that's a similar recurring theme. And in Australia, there have been four hundred twenty four indigenous deaths in custody since nineteen ninety one. Um, so it's very very much an Australian issue as well, and we aren't exempt from these conversations. Yeah, in New Zealand, um, literally like two weeks ago, um when everyone was locked inside for the lockdown, police were doing, um, like, drill patrols and they only went to poor areas and were, um, like, testing things, but they were actually shooting... It wasn't... I don't think it was proper bullets, but shooting people. Literally poor people. <laughs> that was the only place yeah. where the drills were. Māori Maori as well are 7.6 times more likely than Pākehā to be on the receiving end of police force. In New Zealand, including pepper spray, empty hand tactics, tasers and firearms, police are nearly twice as likely to take legal action against Māori than Pākehā, and police are seven times more likely to charge a Māori person with a crime, even when that person has no police or Department of Corrections record. It's just, like, so wild. Yeah. Māori women are more likely to stay with abusive partners than go to the police because they don't want to endure police and government racism. Yeah. Maori at Maori in 2016 made up only 15% of the population but the inmates made up 51% of sentenced prisoners. Yeah. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello 
Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. We're going to do a topic pivot now because this is definitely the most important thing that you should be focusing on this week, but also things can get a bit much. For anyone, like I was driving all the way to Wellington just crying, and then I was like, You're stupid for crying because you are so lucky to be this far removed from it but then also you can things can affect you and that's fine and it's important to do the work but also to know when to switch off and this is another topic that people have been sending us well they were sending us a lot last week we were actually going to cover it last week um but then ran out of time and then things really blew up after our episode came out so I'm glad we waited but that is the old Instagram brand which actually no one had heard of probably a year ago called Sporty and Rich by a US, I think she's actually Canadian, US girl, Emily Oberg. So Emily launched Sporty and Rich. I don't even know when, I'd say like a couple of years ago. Her boyfriend is the founder of Harmony Paris, which is a another successful kind of, uh, not basics, but very paired back label. Um, and she kind of blew up on Instagram essentially with her, athleisure kind of style t-shirts and shorts and the like and then now there's been a lot of backlash against her brand um in the past couple of weeks yes so i think so sporty and rich are probably most famous for those do you think those t-shirts that say like drink water and be nice to everyone or whatever they say Mm -hmm. probably Mm -hmm. I know our friend Gab Waller, mm-hmm. who's a personal shopper, posted a photo the other day with like 600 of them. I know. And so I just find it, and in an aside to what's been going on, I just find this kind of, we've talked about it before, with this Instagram fashion thing that just doesn't even feel, and I feel kind of weird saying this because I have friends who bought the t-shirts and I have friends who buy Sporty and Rich, but just in terms of this whole st- Instagram style just feels like the complete opposite thing to style. It just feels like everyone jumps on this bandwagon and buys the exact same t-shirt and wears the exact same t-shirt with the exact same cap and the exact same bike shorts and posts it on Instagram and it's supposed to be stylish. It just feels like the opposite thing to me. And I know this has nothing to do with the what's been going on with her brand, but just as a whole, it's just it's just a weird phenomenon that's kind of taken off. You know, even with Bottega Veneta and all of those brands. Yeah, a hundred percent. Just the one it the one it item, but then every single fashion person ends up looking the exact same, which doesn't seem very fashionable to me. And I wonder if those brands actually secretly hate it when those items blow up. Because it's kind of like the opposite it's, makes the, you a bit it's the opposite of cool for every single person yeah, with a pop yeah. store and something. Anyway, mm. so so Sporty and Rich basically is started off as like a mood board Instagram account. So it was all old school pictures of Jerry Seinfeld of the 90s and Cindy Crawford in her oversized Lakers jumpers and that whole kind of dad style athleisure Princess aesthetic. Diana vibe. Yeah. And then it she parlayed that success as a Instagram mood board into a fashion brand. And their whole thing is that they're very supreme, hypebeast style, seasonal drops, no dead stock, 
everyone gets all hyped up and freaked out and then everything sells out in five minutes, blah, blah, blah. So basically what's happened is Emily Oberg also has a wellness club that's attached to the Sporty and Rich brand and she's basically... Yeah, relatively new. She launched it like a couple months ago. Editorial arm. And the whole idea of that is to give people health and wellness advice. And she got in trouble basically for posting this side-by-side thing of want to be healthy you don't have to be rich you can switch you know a candy bar for an apple they're the same price and then one of them was a happy meal for a bag of lettuce (laughs) which you know is a joke that writes itself everyone was like shut up you're rich and stupid take this down and she took it down apologized and then some interviews were unearthed where she basically um talked and laughed about among other things, she laughed at some, like, gross racist jokes. She made jokes about, like, her brother was saying something about her telling Twitter followers who criticized her to kill themselves. Gross stuff. Um, I personally feel like the biggest thing that people jumped on was to do with how she talked about money. And she basically just said a bunch of stuff along the lines of I only make 250k a year and that's nothing after tax or um yeah my handbag's kind of a lot it was 26,000 or talking about her Rolex collection and I think that people had the idea that the name sporty and rich was super tongue-in-cheek and ironic and then hearing her talk like that made everyone realize that it was just legit and she was just proud to be rich and hot and that kind of broke the fantasy and now people aren't feeling it so much anymore. Yeah, I know. Because the whole thing, when you see her t-shirts, it literally says sporty and rich on the front of them. And that's honestly, firstly, when I first found out about it, which was about a year ago in the most random way, was literally just a guy telling me that she was hot when we were in uh, Spain and showing me her Instagram and, I, and no one I knew followed her. And I was like, oh, she's kind of stylish. But I was like, I would never feel comfortable wearing a t-shirt that said sporty and rich. And then I think that everyone who bought them kind of just, yeah, thought they were buying into a joke that it that it wasn't actually about being sporty and rich. But now Emily Oberg has been like, no, that's exactly no, what it's that's about. No, that's what it is. It's about being yeah. hot and skinny <laughs> and rich. <laughs> and then it's just funny that, yeah. Yeah, it's funny seeing people distance themselves from it now because I'm like, what did you actually think you were wearing, firstly? Secondly, Mm. it's wild to me in a way that I hadn't really thought of before, and this isn't Emily Oberg's fault at all, that her brand became the brand of the pandemic. If you move in, like, the fashion influencer, fashion circle sphere – this is a brand that took off more than it ever had in the past during COVID because everyone was at home and wanting to wear comfortable sweatpants and athleisure and that's what they sell. But what they were actually doing was buying content that had largely branded I'm sporty and rich or health equals wealth. And just the sick irony of that being the uniform of wealthy people during a time where like, Evidence upon evidence upon evidence shows that disproportionately poorer people 
are dying of this pandemic, that people without access to healthcare are dying of this pandemic, that it's like, as we've talked about in the past, the deciding factor between how you respond to this pandemic is how much money you have in your account. It's mm. nuts mm. that this is the exact same time that, <laughs> that everyone's that's when wearing head to toe. I'm wearing. sporty and rich, which is basically code for I'm healthy and rich. Yes. It's beyond. It's wild. So it's actually funny because a girl called Phoebe, who is an After Work Drinks listener, posted a big uh, question about Sporty and Rich on our Facebook, on our closed Facebook group initially. And heaps of people replied to it. And then she posted it on her own page publicly. And it got 5,000 likes so many comments she had emily oberg messaging her directly so and there's also been an instagram account started called not sporty rich which shows that essentially what it looks like is that emily was buying other brands clothes and then um cutting off the label and attaching a sporty and rich label um so there's like a lot and also she removed i think in the her instagram bio it said something about that they were just, the clothes were sustainably made in the USA and she had to remove that from her bio because I just don't know if that was actually what was happening. So there's lots going on beyond just the fact that it seems like a very tone-deaf brand and the founder has obviously said some really controversial things in the past. She said she's, anti, she's an anti-vaxxer and she said once, I don't know what vaccine gives you autism, but like some do. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, people... Okay, do we need more evidence but... that like... Promoting people to social capital just because they're hot is not a great way to run society. <laughs> yeah, you know? I know. Like, I feel I feel bad for Emily Oberg. Honestly, I know that that's not a popular opinion, but I'm like, it must be difficult when you are just not encouraged to have like to actively inform yourself about things and to be a person that can speak thoughtfully and intelligently about things to a large audience of people, to just be born good-looking, to be risen to a level where you have five, a, a half a million people following you, wanting you to be their moral guidance in that life. That happened super quickly too. Yeah. Like, that's that a lot to put on someone jump. who was never given any formal training in how to influence people. You know what I mean? I just find it funny. It's like I think about the beauty myth all the time and how – the biggest social capital a woman can have online is just being good looking. And so that's what gets you a huge amount of influence. And then people slam you for not also being a highly intelligent, highly thoughtful, highly politically engaged human being. And it's like, when were you ever asked to mm. in the past have any of those also, skills? Just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And also just don't follow this random girl just because she's hot and expected to know everything. I do think that there's obviously a duty of care when it comes to starting a health and wellness <laughs> editorial arm, which I do, do not think she maybe should have done without consulting experts and getting actual experts in the field to write. I just think she's getting friends to write You can and just random contributors to write things about health and wellness, which isn't um, ideal, really. But in terms of her posting her own ideas and her own thoughts on her own personal Instagram account, um, yeah, that's a bit different. And people are just choosing to buy her brand and then people are choosing to like slam it into the dirt, which is funny because influencing, we were talking about this off air the other day, 
influencing as a whole is just basically showing off your wealth. And that's what she was doing blatantly on a t-shirt. And then everyone slamming her because it was too blatant. But then posting 300 Chanel bags isn't blatant somehow. Yes. So this is like what I find most interesting about this entire situation is that everyone was fine with wearing t-shirts that said, I'm sporty and rich before the founder admitted that essentially that she likes being wealthy. And I think it's interesting, like you say, in an industry where like the, the social, the capital of being an influencer is being, if we're taking sporty as code for thin, which I think we generally are, even though we're not saying we are, if the currency for being a successful influencer is being thin and wealthy, which basically means being thin and owning lots of expensive stuff, it's just ironic and weird to me that we're so quick to call out and quote-unquote cancel Emily Oberg for saying things that are completely in line with the way that like all of her customers behave online. And I'm not saying that as some sort of amazing, you know, anti-capitalist socialist who never posts expensive stuff online. I'm saying it as someone who's like intrigued by the fact that we don't mind people being exorbitantly wealthy as long as they don't talk about being wealthy and enjoying it. And we don't mind people being unhealthily skinny. We just care if they talk about how they get to that point or if they talk about liking how they look at that point. And it reminds me Mm. of when Adriana Lima talked about how she got in shape after giving birth for the Victoria's Secret show. And she said all I did was drink liquid for seven days or something. And everyone gave her so much shit. (laughs) And the attitude is basically, it's fine if you do that and you do look insane three months after giving birth. It's just not okay to say it. Like, don't you get that we just don't say it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, literally. Like Every day on a plate that a celebrity provides is not true because they know yes. that they can't provide a tr- an honest one because they'll get slammed. Well, Who Weekly did a really funny thing about Kelly Reaper, of all people's, day on a plate. And she was saying stuff along the lines of, for lunch I have a salad and for dinner I have a smaller version of the salad I had for lunch. If I'm really, really, really starving, I'll have one almond and all this stuff. And she got slammed and they were just laughing because they were like, this is probably literally the only honest celebrity food diary. And Kelly Reaper's getting Mm. shit because she just didn't know that we're all supposed to lie. You know? (laughs) And that's what this Emily Oberg thing feels like where everyone's like, she laughed at a racist joke. I'm like, please, please, please. He, may he cast the first stone who in this audience of condemning Emily Oberg has not laughed at a bunch of stupid frat boys making a racist joke. Like, I just think there's a huge level of hypocrisy where people see behavior that they exhibit, see people slamming them for it, and freak out and then join in the slamming because they're just so grateful mm. it's not them who's getting shit. Mm. And that's just not helpful. Like, be honest with yourself. If you follow people who have a closet full of Birkin bags, guess what? They've said to their mates, yeah, I paid 26 grand for this. It's kind of a lot. Like, just because they haven't said yeah. it on a podcast you've listened to, that's the dialogue. Everyone's having the dialogue about the 250K isn't even that much money. 
Um, mm-hmm. I got twelve paid 12k for an Instagram post. Like that's the dialogue that's going on behind the scenes based on people's actions. So it's kind of yeah. weird to slam someone for speaking in a way that's very obviously the way that all the people that you like actually speak to each other. Yeah. I just think it's kind of, it's a lesson in being more mindful about who you follow and who you give all of this kind of, um, what's the word? when you, Who you give, like, voice to. And also who you spend money on. Research brands first, especially during this pandemic. Research brands shop locally, make sure people aren't greenwashing and, you know, that's on us. It's not Emily's fault that she (laughs) didn't, like, I don't know. I mean, it is her fault if she's literally lying about where her clones are made and that sort of stuff isn't okay. But I just think it's us who are buying her stuff without doing any research. Yes, and I think that people are just suspiciously quick to jump on bandwagons without actually addressing a lot of their own behavior. And I would just be a mm. somewhat suspicious about like the people publicly declaring that they now hate this brand. It's like you knew what was written on your fucking t-shirt when you bought it and wore it. You know what I mean? Like I just don't yeah. understand how all of a sudden now it's seen as gross and inappropriate and you're selling it and canceling your order like you always knew that you were going to be parading around in a t-shirt that said I'm sporty and rich. So, um, <laughs> and that is the main issue. <laughs> that is literally, you know, you know, we're not asking much here. I just find, yeah, it's just kind of just, just have kind some of fucking taste. It's a pandemic. <laughs> it's literally insane. It's literally like wearing a shirt at the moment being like, I'm white and my life is easier. Like it's, it's, it's two degrees <laughs> off wearing that right now. You know what I mean? Or like, I'm not racist. Yeah. It's crazy. It's like a man wearing a shirt being like, I get paid 80, like 15 cents more than you for every dollar or something. You know, it's just putting (laughs) this horrible social inequality on a fucking t-shirt and parading it around. Yeah. Or someone wearing all lives matter. Anyway, enough ranting. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. Um, Please continue to rate, review, and subscribe. It's incredibly helpful for us. And thank you for listening. And we love you. And goodbye. Yes, enough ranting. Rate, review, and subscribe. And we will see you on Saturday. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.